You know, isn't that like our society today as well? The, those who have education, and I'm not against education, but oftentimes they think we know better. And you people who believe in that Bible, those traditions, you just like the people without knowledge. I'm so glad that I am so simple then, simple enough to believe in the truth of God's word. And Lord, let me stay that way always. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. So today we're going to look at the remainder of John chapter 7 verses 25 through 53. And we have just a number of things happening here, but a passage of scripture from verses 37 through 39 that are beloved by the church and it's where I pulled the title from if anyone thirst and today we're going to look at in verses 25 through 31 he who sent me is true in verses 32 through 37 where I am you cannot come verses 37 through 29 he who believes in me and verses 40 through 53 no man ever spoke like this man And Father, I pray that you would just open your word to us today, that we would hear the word that you would have for us, for your church here in the 21st century. We ask in the name of Jesus, amen. But he who believes in me, verses 37 through 39, I love this passage, you should highlight it in your Bible, especially verses 38 and 39. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So here we find the Lord on the last day of this great feast, the Feast of Tabernacles. It was seven days long. It would be followed by a Sabbath day as well. But it was the last day of this great feast. And there was a custom that had developed. One of the traditions was that the priest would daily go and to retrieve water. They would draw water out and they would take it up to the steps of the temple and they would pour the water out and allow the water to pour down the steps. 
Some theorize that Jesus stood while this water poured down the steps. He stood and he cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. You know, the Bible tells us in Isaiah 12, 3, With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Water is connected with salvation in Scripture. And the water of life comes through Jesus Christ. How powerful this must have been to see Jesus standing there crying out to a thirsty people in need of salvation. And here are the rivers of living water, verses 38 and 39. As Jesus cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. And said, as scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living waters. Those who believe in him. And this living water, as I said, in Isaiah 12, 3, it refers to the wells of salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. But also it speaks about the filling of the Holy Spirit in an individual's life. In Isaiah 43, 3, I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offsprings. Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, and John gives commentary in verse 39. He was talking about the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit had not been given yet because he had not yet been glorified. Now, the glorification of Jesus Christ happened through his death upon the cross, his death, burial, resurrection, his ascension back to the Father in heaven. Now Jesus has been glorified. Now the Holy Spirit is available to anyone who is thirsty. All we have to do is come unto Jesus to drink. In John 20, 22, we find that the Holy Spirit comes to us when we are saved. To his disciples, he said, after Jesus had died and resurrected from the grave, John 20, 22, when he had said this, he breathed on them, said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. At this moment, I believe that this was the moment of the disciples' salvation. They believed in Jesus before Jesus went to the cross, but they did not understand the work of the cross prior to that. It was only after he had went to the cross and he resurrected from the grave, then it began to click for them. And it was only after Jesus died and resurrected from the grave that the Holy Spirit came upon them, John 20, 22, but also to the same group of guys, Jesus would say in Acts 1, verses 4 and 5, with the disciples being assembled together, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you will hear from me. For truly John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So this rivers of living water, I believe it refers to the gift of the Holy Spirit, in two ways. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We cannot come to faith in Jesus Christ apart from the Spirit's work in our life. But there's also, I believe, a further filling of the Holy Spirit that is available to those who believe. And can I ask you today, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty for the Spirit of God to flow forth from your, your hearts, from your lives? The thirsty are saved by the blood of Jesus. They're also filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And as we close out, verses 40 through 53, we're going to read this one in sections. We're going to look at the, the crowd, the officers, the rulers, and we're going to close out with the challenge. The crowd, first of all, in verses 40 through 43, therefore many from the crowd, when they heard this saying, said, truly, this is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, will the Christ come out of Galilee? Has not scripture said that the Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem, where David was? So there was a division among the people because of him. So the crowd, they heard Jesus when he cried out there on the steps of the temple, if anyone thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. And some people, they testified, this is the prophet. They were actually referring to Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 and 18, where Moses testified, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren, him you shall hear. I will raise up for them another prophet like you from among their brethren, I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. So they connected Jesus to the prophet. It was referring back to this prophecy that's found in Deuteronomy 18. Moses saying, God's going to send another prophet like me. It's just another title for the Messiah, the prophet. Some said he was the Christ. Now we know that Christ is the Greek title of the Hebrew title Messiah. So if it's in Hebrew, we would say he's the Messiah. If it's in Greek, we would say he's the Christ. The Greek word is Christos, and it means the anointed one. This is the anointed one. And both John and Jesus' message, and they called the people in Matthew 4, 17, they preached the same message. Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. And it had stirred the people's hearts towards salvation. But they were somewhat mixed in opinion concerning Jesus. As I said, the, the word of God is just laying it out as it was. Some people said earlier on in verse 28, we don't know where the Messiah will come from. And now they're saying in verse 42, but we know that the Christ will be from the seed of David, from the town of Bethlehem. So they knew what the scripture had said, but they were confused. Remember, he was known as Jesus of Nazareth. They didn't know the backstory that he actually was of the seed of David, that actually had been born in Bethlehem, just as scripture declared. So the crowd, very confused, some believing, some not. The officers, and we pick up in verses 44 through 46. Now some of them wanted to take him, but no one laid hands on him. Then the officers came to the chief priests and the Pharisees. They said to them, why have you not brought him? And the officers answered, no man ever spoke like this man. I love that verse. That's another one that you should underline. And when I told you you should underline uh, verses 37 through 39, most of that it has been underlined in my Bible. I have not underlined verse 46. No man has ever spoken like this man, but I know that verse. It's a familiar verse to me. 
The officers had dispatched, as we learned earlier, they had dispatched the religious rulers, these guards or the police, we might say today, to arrest Jesus. But they actually had been arrested by Jesus. They heard the words of Jesus and they could not do anything to him. They had been arrested by his words. In Matthew 7, verses 28 through 29, we have a a similar thing talking about the words of Jesus where it says, And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So the difference, we find the religious rulers of Jesus' day, they would often quote other people. I've been uh, taking online classes with a university for a few years now. And when we do our papers, I have one due today, last one for the school year. Yay! (laughs) Anyways, it's due today, but when I write the paper, I have to have quotes. Just because I say so isn't good enough. Or just because I use the word of God in there, still not good enough. They want to see some people who have some credentials behind their names that I'm quoting from and kind of mingling that in the writing, which is fine. It gets you into books and learning. But it was customary for the teachers of their day to really refer to what other rabbis had said. They would say things, and a couple of the famous rabbis was Rabbi Hillel, Rabbi Gamaliel. We We meet him in the book of Acts, but they would say something like, you know, Rabbi Hillel says this, or Gamaliel says this, but Jesus taught the very words of his father. He taught with authority. No man ever taught like this man before. And so the arresting officers, they had been arrested by Jesus. The rulers, though, they respond, verses 47 through 49, then the Pharisees answered them, said, are are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? But the crowds that does not know the law is accursed. Here we find the piety of the religious rulers. They reprimanded the officers. They said, are you just like the common people? Are you just like the uneducated people of the land? They don't have knowledge But look at us, those who have been highly educated in the law of God. We haven't been deceived. We haven't believed. Well, actually, they had been deceived. Through their education, they had been deceived. They were blinded to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, they were saying, we know better. But in actuality, they did not. Jesus would reprimand them in Matthew 15, 7 through 9, he called them hypocrites, saying, Well, did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Again, in Matthew 15, 14, Jesus said, let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. 
They didn't know. They thought they did. They even condemned the officer saying, we know better. Are you just like the common people? You know, isn't that like our society today as well? The, those who have education, and I'm not against education, but oftentimes they think we know better. And you people who believe in that Bible, those traditions, you just like the people without knowledge. I'm so glad that I am so simple then, simple enough to believe in the truth of God's word. And Lord, let me stay that way always. The challenge, as it closes out in verses 50 through 53, now Nicodemus, he who came to Jesus by night, being one of them, one of the scribes and Pharisees, he said to them, does our law judge a man before he hears him and knows what he is doing? And they answered and said, are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. Actually, there was a prophet from Galilee. His name is Jonah. He was from Gath Hefer. It was a town about five miles away from Nazareth. So actually, we can search and look and find a prophet that came out of the Galilee. We know, though, that Jesus actually was born in Bethlehem. He was raised in Galilee, something that they didn't understand. But here's what I want to point out to you about this passage. Nicodemus, not all of the religious rulers, chose not to believe in Jesus. We met Nicodemus back in chapter 3, which I already read concerning him. He said to Jesus, Teacher, we know that you are a teacher come from God, because no man can do these things that you do except God has sent him. Not all of the scribes and Pharisees rejected Jesus. The majority, yes, but not all of them. But this is what I've seen in this passage, and this could be my own opinion, but we meet Nicodemus three times in the Gospel of John. The first time we meet, he's the original Nick at night. He comes to Jesus by night and questions uh, Jesus, and Jesus talks to him about the necessity of being born again. The second time we meet him is here in John chapter 7, where now he challenges his cohort of religious rulers, saying, do we judge a man uh, before he is heard? It's kind of what we have here in the United States, that no one is to be condemned until that trial comes forth, although we know that you can be condemned in the court of public opinion. And the next time we see Nicodemus, it's in John chapter 19, where he is boldly coming forth with Joseph of Arimathea to help bury the body of Jesus. This is what I see. When he was challenged, and I could be totally wrong, but, but I like to see it this way. When he was challenged by his religious rulers, his brothers, to search and look, I believe Nicodemus began to search and look. And if he's able to search and look, he was able to discover that, yes, he is Jesus of Nazareth that was actually of the tribe of Judah, the lineage of David, the seed of David, born in Bethlehem, that he is actually the Son of God. Sometimes we need that challenge to search and look 
The Bible tells us in John 5:39, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. These are they that testify of me. Sometimes we need to search and look that we can discover the truth of God's word and the thirsty are willing to search and look. And when they do so, they will discover that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. Are you thirsty today? My question have you been born again? Revelation twenty-two seventeen tells us the spirit and the bride say, come. Let him who hears say, come. Let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. We talked about being thirsty. I talked about the spirit's work in a believer's life in two ways. And the first is that of salvation. No one can come to the father except by the Holy Spirit. Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. The Spirit works when a person is saved. He is working in their behalf, drawing them to Jesus Christ, but also entering them, sealing them unto their salvation when they believe in Jesus Christ. But also the thirsty. Maybe you know that you're a believer in Jesus Christ, but You're thirsty for the Spirit of God to overflow your life. He who believes in me, Jesus said, as Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Are you thirsty for those rivers of living water to flow forth from your life? You know, this morning I was up early. I'm often up early, even when I don't want to be. It's a bad habit. But... I had time to kill, so I was uh, getting a sermon ready for radio from 2012. I love it when uh, people will contact me about a message that they heard on the radio station, and, and I always have to preface it by, what was I saying? What, what was I talking about? Actually, someone recently had contacted me, and I looked it up, and I said, well, that message was actually from 2006, but... Uh, Here, let me answer your question. It's been a while since I'd been there, but I was listening to a message from Ephesians this morning. And uh, I think I could hear in my voice just a power that perhaps I've missed in a while. Maybe that's what I was thinking as I was listening to it. And I was listening to that message, getting it ready for radio this morning, and And I knew the timing of that message. I knew the date of it. And I knew that it was after Lily had went through breast cancer, after Nathan had had heart surgery, Kevin had had uh, heart surgery, and our son John had came back to faith in Jesus Christ. I think there was a fire in my voice because I had experienced a lot of God's grace in those years. But isn't it like us that as the years go by, we settle in again? And we get comfortable again. Don't we need the Lord to work in that way at all times? In the sense of God working every day in our lives. And and I don't want anyone here to have to go through breast cancer or heart conditions or to have a son or daughter who is messed up in drugs and alcohol and has to just deal with all that. Those are difficult times. 
but the blessing that can come through those times. When you see God's hand evidently working in your life, man, it should be evident. And you should be able to hear it if all you could hear is our voice. And that's all I was listening to this morning was my voice. And I could tell that I'd turned it up a notch. That's what God does, I believe, to the thirsty when they come to him that they might drink as God promised. And Father, I thank you for your word and I pray that you would be with us, Lord. If we are thirsty today, that we would come. Perhaps the thirst is for salvation. And the Bible tells us that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I pray, Father, that if there is one who is in need of salvation today, that today would be that day that they would turn their hearts toward you. Or perhaps, Lord, the thirst is just for an outflow of your spirit to work in their lives once again. Maybe, Lord, it's something that they've lacked, and they're just wanting a a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit. Be with us now, Lord, as we close out in worship, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may the Lord richly bless you as you worship him today.